A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now here are three guys that are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt and Shannon. Alright, we're back. It's episode 87 for October 6th, 2011. And on today's show, we're going to primarily focus on woodworking in America. Uh, it was, what, last weekend, guys? And I, both of them attended, and I did not. I stayed home and read comic books and did other uh, non-woodworking related things. So this will be a show dedicated to kind of talking about what happened at the show, who was there, and commentary. Was it great? Was it terrible? Was it awesome? Did all your dreams come true? Uh, But before we get to all that, Matt, can you give them some contact info in case they want to get in touch with us? Yeah, but I need to clarify something first. You you weren't there, is what you're saying? Uh, I was was actually not there. I was there in spirit, but I was not there in person. But who was sitting next to me at Pampolani's Italian restaurant, that, stroking my knee? That was uh, Tom Iavino, I assume. That was Tom Iavino. <laughs> that's that's right. It was okay, the other Jersey guy. It was the other Jersey guy. You all look the same to me. I'm I'm sorry. No offense. <laughs> I was going to okay. put a life side cutout of Mark in my booth. I figured that would bring in bigger crowds, but <laughs> or repel them. Like, strap it, put one on, on my back. Like who is always on my back? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So anyways, all right, so let's go ahead and jump right into this. I have to dust off these notes. Hold on. <laughs> oh, man, it's been a while. So anyways, <laughs> there's a few different ways you can get a hold of us. If you ever have a comment, a question, or a suggestion, of course, about anything that you're going to hear in today's show, or maybe to complain about something like this intro, uh, you can always get a hold of us there. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-5180. Or, of course, you can Skype us at woodtalkonline. Don't forget, check out our individual sites at thewoodwhisperer.com or, of course, at renaissancewoodworker.com and even mattsbasementworkshop.com. And especially pop on over the forum at woodtalkonline.com where you can jump in the conversation because there's like a gazillion going on and a gazillion more pop-up every day. So we're at two gazillion now. And it's just going to get bigger and better with all that good stuff. So... Anyways, with that said, man, you're right. We, we had woodworking in America last weekend. There was 
a whole bunch of things going on, and there's a lot of different perspectives with this. I have my own. I'm sure Shannon has his. You have none because you weren't there, Mark. So <laughs> That is true. I'm pretty much just going <laughs> to shut up this whole time. <laughs> well, maybe you should tell them what's going on. Uh, we want to just jump right in and, and talk about all the good happenings. Yeah, or yeah how we I think do we're going to keep this fairly informal this time, and considering I wasn't there, I'm going to do mostly listening and a little bit of reading from other people's feedback. Uh, we do have, you know, we kind of went to our, our round table of fellow bloggers and got some opinions on the folks who were actually there. And I had a a couple of questions that just from my perspective, I wanted to know how it was different from previous years, whether they overall liked it, uh, were there things that they didn't like, what could they improve on? And the feedback was really, really interesting. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear how their feedback compares to the feedback you guys are going to give us uh, today. So I guess we should probably just jump right into it, give some overall impressions, and we'll just move right into the uh, the nuts and bolts of this. So, so Shannon, you've been quiet because we didn't let you talk yet. So uh, <laughs> why don't you, why don't you go first? You had a very insider's perspective uh, this time around with your booth and everything. So just give us a, a good little synopsis. What would you think? And did you? Sure. Well, uh, first and foremost, I like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> all righty okay that's all and that pretty much sums that. the whole experience there up. you go internet memes right off the bat sorry um yeah insider's perspective it, you know it was a wow it was a heck of a lot busier than i ever thought it would be and i have a whole new kind of perspective on what it's like to actually quote work the event yeah um, you know, when you look at in previous years, you go down to the marketplace and say you go down to the marketplace like four o'clock on Saturday, you know, like two hours before the marketplace closes and you see this kind of glazed look in all the vendors eyes. I'm there. I totally get it now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it I mean, granted, I wasn't there last year, um, but in the uh, the previous years, I don't remember the marketplace being that busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked to a lot of folks that were just there on a marketplace pass or they were just there on like a one day pass. Um, so I think there were a lot more people who didn't go, you know, the full, the full Monty, if you will, for the weekend. Um, it was, uh, I mean, nonstop people coming by saying hello, saying what the heck is this hand tool school thing, you know, um, where, where where do we go to see the demo at the back of the hall? I actually had people come up asking, where's the demo at the back of the hall? Like, <laughs> Excuse me, like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> it's at the back of the hall. Nice. Right next to the demo. But, you know, I, I snuck out. Um, actually, who, somebody in the chat room just said you saw me for like two hours. Yeah, Boa said you saw me for like two hours. I, um, I was behind the scenes a lot. I snuck out uh, for like five minutes at a time just to run up and like peek through a door and like take a photograph or record some audio of the actual seminars Mm -hmm. that were going on. I only went to three seminars in their entirety. The rest (laughs) of the time I was in the marketplace and, you know, so my, my feedback is going to be a little bit biased because my feedback is the marketplace is where it's at. And, you know, I'm backing it up with previous year's experience. I, when I looked at the, the class lists, you know, it all has kind of cool, catchy titles. These are things I really want to see. But when you dig a little bit deeper, you find out, you know, this is something that's A, already been covered in Popular Woodworking in the mm-hmm. magazine or on the blog. B, there's a DVD out that covers the same thing. Yeah. Um, or C, I don't know, it's covered somewhere else. 
Right. Didn't think that through. But the, <laughs> well, it's always good the, to have three regardless. So, you know, the, the point being, um, it doesn't mean that they were useless. Uh, for example, the, the, the biggest one that comes to mind and, you know, probably because I did an interview with him prior to this was was Chuck Brock. Um, everything he covered is in his DVD. I mean, his DVD is awesome on yeah. his building a rocker. It's probably one of the best woodworking DVDs that I've seen in a very long time. You know, it was entertaining. I would give it five grape sodas. Um, nice. So we'll, we'll see. That's official. Um, but <laughs> you know, everything, all the joinery and everything he covered was already there. So if you actually wanted to learn how to cut the joints, watch the DVD. What's valuable is being able to ask questions of the guy that made the DVD, yeah. being able to, you know, kind of get past the lecture and just talk to them. And they supposedly all had time afterwards. The few that I sat in on ran the full time period and there wasn't really much of a Q and a afterwards. Right. Um, that may be for a couple of reasons. There were certainly some audiovisual issues that happened throughout the weekend that kind of slowed down some presentations, but you know, if you, you can track these folks down in the marketplace later and ask those questions. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Is it, is it, worthwhile going to all the seminars or do you just hang out in the marketplace and like make sure you find the people that you really want to talk to yeah. uh, you know and, and I don't really have an answer to that because again we meaning the bloggers are kind of in our own little world you know when you write a blog you tend to read other blogs just so you like either don't cover something that someone already did or so you cover it better than someone already did yeah um I was going to say, actually, I do the opposite. I, that's where I get all my ideas. So (laughs) I guess, well, I wasn't going to say that. That's one of my secrets. Damn it. But you know, we, we tend to be kind of well-informed if you will. And there were so many people there that were not well-informed. Like they read popular woodworking magazine and they maybe tune into their blog and that was it, you know, which to me was really exciting. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I get a lot of website traffic, but there were a lot of people that had no idea who I was. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, (laughs) untapped market. But at the same time, they, you start talking to them about, well, you remember the blog post about, and they look at you with a blank stare, like, no, I've never heard that technique before. So, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for for folks that kind of live under a rock to go and pick up all this, all these tips and all these lessons. But honestly, it's all on the internet already. Or it's on a DVD. So maybe we should preface all this by saying, especially not only your comments, but everyone else's that we got, these are all bloggers. So if there is a bit of that tendency for us to say, oh, this is just rehashed information, uh, maybe that's a little, we're going to present possibly a slightly biased or uh, inaccurate view of what the general person who goes to this thing who doesn't live and breathe blogs uh, may not be aware of these things. So just kind of want to put that out there just in case. Well, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I mean, it was an awesome weekend. I mean, I will go back next year, no hesitation yeah. whatsoever. Um, there is so much to be gained. It's just one of those things where I talked to several folks who um, actually, Matt, you had a blog post that was perfectly summed this up. You know, you planned out all the classes you were going to take and then you get there and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll get to that class later or <laughs> yeah. I'll just go up in five minutes, you know, and before you know it, an hour has gone by and you've been there like hands on a tool talking to the tool maker or hanging out with, you know, an online friend or something like that. Or you just wasted two hours, at the hand to Olympic booth playing with a frame saw 
<clears throat> speaking from personal yeah, experience. Yeah, so uh, that was Aaron Marshall's fault, by the way. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> well, you know, that's that's a good point. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because Please that do. was one, so one, one of the things was uh, people would come up all the time. They'd be like, hey, what class are you going to? And I'd kind of look at my schedule and go, well, right now, actually, I am in uh, this particular class. <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> yeah, I am, I'm, I'm, I've been experimenting with quantum physics, so I'm there and here simultaneously. You just don't realize it. So if you're upstairs, you'd be talking to my other me, too. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that that's a that's a great point because there was there was so many times that you know I I absolutely would do that where you know and, and as you mentioned I wrote it in, in that, that little blog post that, that you would just get kind of carried away you know either down in the marketplace or for me woodworking in America has become so much more about that atmosphere of camaraderie it's just yeah. you feel it the second you got there and I had a chance to even talk with a few people afterwards. We we can talk a little bit more about this, uh, about how they came there and just <clears throat> excuse me, uh, came there completely by themselves, knew nobody except for maybe they might have talked to somebody on like Woodnet forum or something like that that said, oh yeah, I'm going to be there. Look me up. Maybe we can get a beer. And the next thing you know. A couple of days later, everybody's departing, and they're like, you know, wow, I just met my new best friend in the whole world. You know, we've exchanged <laughs> emails. We've got all this other stuff. And it, it's just it's the weirdest thing in the world because you really go there, I think, to some degree with an expectation of having these classes where you're going to learn A, B, C, you're going to do X, Y, Z, and that's all you're going to get out of it. But what you end up doing is you get there and you maybe pick up A, but the next thing you know you're doing M, N, L, and then you're over to Q, and then you're back to you know C, and then you're, you're just all over the place. You know? yeah. But um, when, when it comes to the kind of the, my perspective on this whole thing, Shannon, you mentioned those a few audio video kind of, you know, uh, snafus here and there. Uh, I had the, I don't know, I see it kind of as the fortune. Uh, I don't think Chuck Bender sees it as the fortune (laughs) (laughs) of being there for when one of his, when those moments happened for him. And I guess because uh, with podcasting, it's such a different way of doing things that, you know, we oftentimes go by the seat of our pants. We kind of, you know, just roll with the punches. What? Think, we never oftentimes. do that. I know. Oh, I'm reading that on the script what? right now. Oftentimes we, <laughs> but, you know, th- th- that kind of happens. And unfortunately, with, with a lecturer who has, you know, a, a slideshow set up, a presentation, they have these goals that they are planning to meet so that everybody gets what they're looking for from the class. When something happens, it can really screw them up. And unfortunately, that happened for poor Chuck. It was during the secret compartments uh, 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 class, and it was just a matter of his PowerPoint. I kind of came in a few minutes late because, surprise, surprise, I was down in the marketplace playing with something. Then I ran upstairs to check his class, and when I came in, PowerPoint had already kind of fizzled out on him. There were some issues with the camera. It kept going into demo mode right in the middle of what he was doing, so so it it would flash up you know, and all that stuff. That was one of the ones that I peeked in from the hallway uh-huh. and I didn't think I thought that it hadn't started or it had right. ended because there were there wasn't anything happening. So I was like, oh, well, I'm going to run down the hall again. Come to find out that that was the actual lecture that, you know, all hell had broken loose on the technical side. And, mm. yeah. you know, I think Chuck's entire presentation was really relying upon the images that he had in his PowerPoint. It, it and, was uh, to Absolutely. his credit. It looked like there was some stuff that had been changed that you know, the dry run or the dress rehearsal was fine. And then somebody like completely changed it around on him. And, you know, you got to You got to respect that these are woodworkers that are not really technically savvy, you know, I mean, they can cut dovetails with the best of them, but you know, don't, 
don't know they weren't in the av club in yes. high school, <laughs> put it that way yeah well yeah, i mean but, given it at this stage of the game though should they even have to worry about it yeah that, that's i mean when you point. when you bring a presenter in, you don't necessarily expect them to know how to hook up uh you know a laptop and do a slideshow you you do right. that for them and all they have to do is click a button and everything should go smooth Right. Sure. And especially since we're returning to the same location that it was last year, yeah. you, you know, you, you already kind of know the area, you know, the, the, the layout, you know, what is going to kind of be expected because, well, you had last year to play with, you know, the, the outlets and everything else. So you should already have an idea. But yeah, but, you know, and, and again, it was it was it was really actually a neat opportunity. I think Chuck did a good job of once he kind of just, you know, he, he did kind of seem to have lost it for a second there. But then I think there was like that. All right. Let's roll with this and see what we can do. The nice thing was, and this turns to where the audience comes in, is these people really want to see this presentation. So they were able to kind of just start throwing the questions out. Yeah, and just they get were, it going, right? I mean, exactly. And that really, really helped to get him kind of back in that mindset, even though he was, there's a part of him that was concentrating on like, is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? But the rest of the audience was able to kind of push him in that direction. So to some degree, we didn't get the the, the full, you know, what we wanted from it, but at the same time, you got enough of it that it really you got an idea of what it was he was talking about. And then right. once finally the presentation did come back up, he was able to kind of go through it and hit some of the key points. My favorite thing about that class, I just have to kind of throw out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a side tangent here. Um, was um, I'm gonna forget his name, even email about it. Uh, one particular woodworker was mentioning that he wanted to learn more about how to do secret compartments because he wants to build a dresser for his nephew have a secret compartment in it so that he can hide his playboys from his mom. And I thought <laughs> that was the coolest uncle I've ever seen. That's, that is awesome. <laughs> exactly. So that was, that was really neat. One thing I have to say is I, I, I mentioned this to everybody. I've attended pretty much every woodworking in America. The only one I haven't made it to was the Valley Forge. So seeing how things have, have kind of progressed for me, it, it's neat. But one thing that it's starting to lose for me, and this is nothing against what's there is I, I feel like I've attended pretty much every lecture. I feel like my card should be punched. I've hit every single one. So now when I attend, it's only like the, the special people, the, the big name ones. Like I went to Grand Blackburn's for a little bit and I, you know, I hung out in there and watched his class, the one that he picked up for um, uh, David Charlesworth. Um, I ended up picking up uh, the Chuck Bender's class. You know, I, I did things like that. I, I decided to start doing the things that maybe were on the outside of my comfort edge. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's neat that they have have these people coming in. It's something new. But at the same time, for me, it's starting to get to that point now where it's like maybe I could get away with a one day pass if that's if that's the route I wanted to go. If I had kept returning, that might be yeah. the better choice for me because, you know, the, there's there's the same classes over and over and over, which is fantastic for the people that are coming in for the first time. They're getting that experience that I got, you know, uh, two, three years ago when I was trying to pick all these ones up. So it works for them. But for the re- person that's returning over and over, at some point, you're going to get you're going to reach where it's just not enough for you anymore. The marketplace right. is going to yeah. be your gold mine. Well, I so think that's, that's for, for any kind of woodworking show like this or any trade show for that matter. I think you always have that challenge of how to keep it interesting for not only you know new people, but returning people as well. So I, I definitely want to get your perspectives on, you know, maybe where this is all going, you know, what, what they might be able to do in the future to capture everybody's attention. Um, but before we do all that, let's let's go through some of these things that we got from from the community, because I think they bring up some good points. Some of the themes you guys already mentioned, 
were okay, mentioned. Yep. I mean, in almost every one of these, you'll see some common threads of problems that they had uh, in the feedback that we got. So we're just going to go through. We got about seven-ish of them, and uh, I did trim these down so these are not verbatim in the way that they were sent to me. Um, so if it sounds like they're being a little bit short or curt, it's because I had to trim it down. Um, we'll also mention if the person has a website, we'll try to remember to mention their website. And I think most of these people are putting together their own more full scale, thorough review that you'll be able to read on their blog. If you want to get a little more on uh, their perspective. So, uh, I'll start here. I've got Tom Ivino. You guys know, uh, Tom's lips, Tom's workbench lips, uh, right. Tom's workbench.com. Hey, by the way, Matt, are your kids watching Netflix right now? Um, no, I'm aware of. I don't think so. You've been no, going, uh, Mr. Roboto on us for Mr. the Roboto. Last oh, that's time. that's actually my voice. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I forgot you're in the witness protection program. So, okay, so hopefully that will clear up while uh, I'm, I'm reading Tom's little thingy here. Okay. Okay. Tom says, "What a great opportunity to get to blah blah." Let me start over. What a great opportunity to get to get the woodworking community together. Looking at the younger woodworkers, you would be hard pressed to say that woodworking is dying. I didn't mind the cost of the tools so much. I, I did also, just to give you an idea, ask them what they thought about the fact that the vast majority of the tool manufacturers there are super high end. So you're going to see some people mention uh, comments about that. So he says, I didn't mind the cost of the tools too much, although some of the prices were way over the top. There are plenty of vendors who offered some excellent tools for great prices, and the hyper-expensive ones were kind of like window shopping for Ferraris. The Hand Tool Olympics, greatest event. A little bit of fun, a little bit of heckling, a little bit of bravado, great stuff. Laughs and learning. Uh, Mike Simpson? Is that pronounced? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was one of the highlights of the show, and he says, why the hell isn't Mike teaching a class? I noticed something that was disturbing, and that was the hard sell. Woodline, and I was surprised to see this, Woodcraft were very pushy, very disappointed by that. Mm, I, yes. I attended the JPEG Wars event, and it had the potential to be something great. However, it was handled very poorly. There was no direction on what we were doing, and the host was a dud. I wanted to grab the microphone and MC the event myself. I think they really have to have a session on online woodworking, maybe an after-hours type thing where successful bloggers are asked for their input on how woodworking can become more of an energized activity. Instead, the session on how to save woodworking involves some staff and associates of the magazine speaking to a large group of gray-haired men. I take offense to that because I'm starting to get gray, uh, Tom, just to let you know. Welcome to the club. Uh, we have die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm au natural. Uh, so he says, if woodworking is going to survive, my God, inject a little life, a little levity, a spark of interest to show what the future can mean. Of course, I'm going to go next year. Even if the event stayed the same, I would go for the camaraderie. I left inspired, not because I went to a class, but because I was around people who were jacked to be there. So that's Tom Iavino, tomsworkbench.com. And uh, Matt, you want to take the, the next one? Yeah, you know, I just want to come back and mention that one thing. Tom and I both had a long talk about that hard sale because I had the same exact thing happen to me. I was walking past the wood, the Woodcraft uh, one, and they had, like, a bunch of the Delta tools out. And they literally were like, uh, here, feel how, how fast this uh, suction's going on this on this uh, dust collector. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fast. She goes, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll write you up so you can get one right now. I'm like, I don't think so. I'm not interested. No, seriously, come on. And it was, like, just this side of, like, stepping in front of me and almost not getting out of the way. And I'm like, seriously move it and if you weren't so much stronger than me i would move you myself <laughs> was that was that painfully out of place in that environment yes i i have i had nobody else i've never had an experience like that you know it, it, usually most of the the booth people uh, unless they're giving away something there's almost like no like you know there's no criers out there there's no callers like you know step right up check out the hot tools <laughs> right. 
you know, stuff like that. Normally it's, it's very tame, but that one, and for me, it happened on a Sunday. It was towards the or Sunday. It happened on a Saturday. It was towards the end of the day, and it was almost like we haven't hit this quota or something. We've we've got to do this, and it really kind of it was really really irritating to be quite honest with you because it's just it's so out of character for any of the vendors I've ever experienced at, at any of the woodworking Americas. Now you know I have a, a slightly different experience. Then I got a hard sell, but from a different perspective. I had a couple people approach me like hard selling to try to promote it on my blog. Oh, um, and it was just totally out of place. Like, imagine me promoting a power tool on. Yeah, I mean, I mean seriously, what have you put any thought into that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, granted, I, I work in marketing by day, so I tend to think this way. But it's like that makes no sense whatsoever, you know. Yeah. And uh, there were quite a few people who had like come up and were like presenting to me, and I was just like. All right, seriously, I'm talking to my customers or talking to my hand tool school members here. Come back later. You know, that was kind of interesting. Especially to, power tool. I mean, that, that yeah. shows you, number one, they don't know who they're talking to. They have no information. But you could have, you know, brought it up on your iPhone because we know you got some and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Or maybe they thought the hand tool school meant a, a tool you could fit in your hand. So he's going to teach you about it. Right. Por- portable well, power tool school. <laughs> You know, and and you say there weren't any like carnival barkers telling people to step right up. You know, there is an element of that that would have been nice, though. I mean, there were a few booths there where people were just sitting behind a table and weren't doing anything. And and, you know, this is there's no way to say this without sounding like I'm patting ourselves on our back. But my booth had like three things going for it. We were signing people up to win mahogany. We were giving away little bench dogs. We were showing off new molding planes. We were demoing videos for the hand tool school. There was like actual wood being cut in the booth. I mean, it drew a lot of people because there was stuff going on. You know, if you go down the hall to Sauer and Steiner, it's the same thing. They're there with their, you know, Mercedes Benz of planes planing this just God off just amazing figured wood. And it drew people in. You go a few more booths down and there's just two guys sitting behind a table with some tools laid out. And it's like, come on, you know, people are here to, you know, they're not going to just come up and engage you and say, let me try that tool out. Um, you know, uh, Bad Axe Toolworks was another great example. Mark was over there building saws, like yeah. actually making saws. Actually, the, the the little pinging on the anvil got a little old after a couple of hours, <laughs> and I was about ready to wring his neck. But, I mean, there was a constant crush, crush is the best word for it, of people surrounding the Bad Axe booth. People cutting stuff. He had saw benches out there. So there is something to be said. You don't have to be out there saying step right up, but like put the tool to use. And I think the whole thing would be more engaging, which is, again, why I think the Hand Tool Olympics is so successful and why there's always a bunch of people back there because there's stuff happening, you know? Anyway, there's there's definitely a big difference, though, you know, between the uh, we're going to show off our tools and invite you to give them a shot, let the tools sell themselves, and then the guy who won't let you walk away until you buy this lathe that he wants to sell you. You know, right. And it seems like what what Tom's experience was, at least, was a little bit more toward the latter, where it was just kind of that pain in the butt experience and you just want to get away because they're making you feel weird, as opposed to if, if I really don't feel like trying that plane out, I don't have to, you're not forcing me. But if I am interested, I can be, you know, we can engage you and actually have some interesting experiences and things to talk about. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I, I did. I maybe there were some carnival parkers, but just for some perspective, I pretty much walked around the uh, marketplace with Tom. 
Iovino all the time, so I didn't hear much of anything. I didn't so hear. So everyone tools. was softer than Tom. In other words, <laughs> yes, exactly. That was pretty <laughs> much it. So. Boy, this this yeah. marketplace floor is so quiet. All of a sudden, it is. Wow, I, I, I could hear Tom in the in the hand tool Olympics. And for yeah. those of you that don't know, I was on the opposite corner of the convention center from Tom Iovino. So, <laughs> and, yeah. and one one thing just for uh, another one was <laughs> Tom got told to shut up by a guy to lathe. <laughs> really. <laughs> Yeah, somebody was not having a very happy day that day, and Tom apparently stepped on some toes, but it was rather Did Tom do the jersey? Oh, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) What's with this guy over here? Oh. Well, that's it. It it wasn't a a shut up. It was a shove a sock in it, buddy. (laughs) Nice. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next one, and we'll chat a little bit about that. Okay, now this next one comes from uh, uh, Vic Hubbard over at uh, Tumblewood Works. And let me tell you something, Tom, uh, Vic is a great guy. Tom, I'm telling you, Vic's a great guy. I don't care what you say about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Vic, yeah, yeah, fantastic guy. So anyways, let's see. Uh, Vic wrote, seminars did not give me a value-added experience over a good video on CD or the Internet. I only attended the mitered dovetail joint with Chris Wars, the sculpted rocker with Charles Brock, and the liquid joint and magic plywood with Ajax. The most rewarding learning experience was a one-on-one with Adam Carabini at the Hand Tool Olympics. He showed me what I was doing wrong and then stayed to make sure I had figured it out. That was cool. Personally, I would expand the Olympics part for the hands-on aspect and have the experts there to help with technique. The best part was definitely camaraderie with the online woodworking community. Will I go again? Maybe in a few years to catch up with everyone once again. I was really impressed with how accessible the big names in woodworking were to people like me. And again, that was uh, Vic Hubbard over at the Tumble Woodworks at tumblewood.blogspot.com. And Watch remember, he was that was his first woodworking in America, too. Right. So there is somebody who hasn't been to it before, and they were kind of seconding what we're saying. Yeah, so. good point. You, you know, in the one thing you mentioned, the, the class with Ajax, the magic of plywood, I ended up coming in on that. And um, I, I don't know if it's just Ajax didn't experience it or not. I, 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 again, I kind of walked in the middle of it. Um, Ajax did seem to be able to kind of you know interact with the people a little bit, but there was a lot of times those questions that were being asked, and it seemed more like Vic knew the answer than Ajax did. You know, that just, you know, I, I more or less, I was kind of glad I was sitting next to Vic because I felt like the questions that were being answered, I was getting my answer. Well, and let's, so, let's put this into perspective here. Vic is also the guy who has been, you know, reading blogs and watching DVDs right. and absorbing all this stuff. And the first project he makes goes into the fine woodworking reader's gallery. It's <laughs> very true. So That's this is true. someone who's doing his homework here. He's a ringer. He's one of those ringers. <laughs> that is, that's that's very. When you put it that way, yes, <laughs> right. Yes, I can see that. All right, Shannon, hit the uh, hit the next one. Hit it. All right. Uh, let's see. I've got one from JPEG Wars winner Tom Bull. Um, let's see. Buell. Um, oh, I have I have to read this just because it's saying that I did a good job. But uh, I think a big shout out is due to Shannon for the pre-show interviews of Woodworking in America presenters. They were great and helped me prepare my choices of sessions to attend and enrich the experience once there. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Now, the the, the next point of Tom's email, a um, little bit controversial, and I was wondering whether or not I should read it. But basically, he says, I wonder if popular woodworking did all they could in getting the word out on the existence of these interviews and their potential value to show attendees. You know, I think that as a whole, as far as my position as embedded social media reporter and working with popular woodworking, I think we all could have done a better job of kind of collaborating and communicating with one another. I think we kind of headed off in different directions 
you know, we, we had a meeting, good Lord, uh, four months ago, I guess, to kind of talk about what the overall plan would be, what the goals would be. And then we, we kind of didn't meet again. You know, Megan and I would swap emails from time to time. I would let her know when I was putting something up, but there really wasn't much more than that. And I think that both of us as separate entities could have worked together a little bit better. And this is a good example. You know, there, there were these interviews that, um, frankly, I thought were pretty valuable, not just because I did them, but just because it was cool to be able to talk with these folks. And I think there was like one mention in a blog and a passing blog that they were out there, you know, and especially um, I wanted to hit the folks that hadn't presented before, uh, other than Adam Carabini, obviously, but it had been a couple of years since he presented to kind of get the word out. You know, here's somebody, Jay Van Arsdale. Most people didn't even know who he was. And I think um, there were a lot of folks that came up to me and said, you know, I had no idea who he was. I probably wouldn't have attended his classes since I heard that interview. I, I went and attended. Well, these are people that normally frequent my blog, you know, so how many people who don't? And believe me, there are a lot of them that don't frequent my blog who just missed out on that. So I do think that should this um, opportunity present itself again uh, with me and Popular Woodworking, I think I'd like to kind of figure out a way that we can more cohesively work together and kind of scratch these others back a little bit more. So that's my politically politically correct way of answering that potential landmine question. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I kind of, my question about the whole thing, as I'm stammering over my own words, is, you know, social media is one of those things that is, you know, so easy to do in-house with just a little bit of effort um, right. that I... Like my impression of this, and and this is not meant to be a, a negative because I'm I'm very happy that you had the opportunity to to do what you did, and the interviews were fantastic, so that was awesome. But I think there's a lot that they can do in house with very little effort, and I think almost by pointing someone out in the community, it almost I don't know, like I I might put myself in Matt's shoes, for instance, as someone who has been there since the first year. Um, it does it seem a little exclusionary to the other bloggers who are out there giving free press to everything and everything about this event uh, right. when it comes to social media you know it just seems like something that everybody can do and the more social media exposure the better um, but it's like oh well if Shannon's covering it then there's no reason for anyone else to talk too much about it right um, and the irony is they gave me a booth in the marketplace so I had very little time to cover it <laughs> yeah. I mean I've got like maybe two two and a half posts that I've got in my head to write for this and then I'm out I have nothing left to say yeah, because yeah. I you know I mean and frankly I'm I'm very glad that there's a lot of other coverage and, and I think a lot of the coverage is going to be more kind of photographic coverage sure because there were a lot of really cool photos and most of us like we're saying you know the substance was you know it was cool but I got more out of the marketplace I got more out of you know as Matt says the camaraderie so you know in previous years they've extended media passes you know to uh, five six bloggers they did it again this year um, it seems to me that what what would be most beneficial is a way to kind of aggregate all that. And that's where I see popular woodworking being able to play a role in this. Yeah. You know, um, that would have been nice for sure. Well, and, then, yeah. and like you said, I mean, to, to really dovetail <laughs> to use yep. a pun oh. <laughs> uh, to, to dovetail with what you're doing, they asked you to do it and you did it. But it, to not give it as much press and attention, it's like, well, why did they ask you to do it? Right. You know, I think it could have been very useful for, for them to promote that. Well, right. maybe Tom cut the dovetails. So, 
should very well be. Did you hear that, Tom? That's terrible. (laughs) Yep, that's terrible right there. Well, I've got another one here, um, and this one is anonymous because I don't know. Um, (laughs) There were wide swings in the audiovisual department. Under her, Underhill works his own camera and manages to look like it's an HD quality television. He Other does. Rooms... It's amazing. Oh my, sorry. It's amazing. It's a little ironic, knows. right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Other rooms had circa 1985 camcorders on tripods and very poor video quality. I'd love to see a dedicated parentheses skilled cameraman in each session. Mm. And, and, you know, I think what, what's the greater thing here. I mean, certainly Underhill does a great job, but the man is a performer. I mean, that's his job. He's on TV making one single cut episodes. So, and he's got 30 plus years of experience doing it. That's why uh, someone said it earlier, like when, when Chuck's audiovisual went out, you know, he had to fumble a little bit. I mean, this is a guy that's not used to doing that. I think you could probably take away the tools, pull, kill the lights, pull the camera, and Roy would still run a good session. Right. You know, he'd light a couple of candles and we'd sit around and sing Kumbaya and we'd all think it was the best thing we ever saw. Because it's just that's Roy. I mean, he yes. is a performer first, I think, these days. And he would think give us a second. He'd give us a lesson in uh, natural light or candle light operating in the shop. Right. <laughs> How to make your own candles, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. But, you know, there's there's a real key to this because um, I was in Adam Carabini's session. And, you know, Adam is a great speaker. Here's another guy that spends a lot of time at Pensbury Manor kind of presenting um, to tourists and such. So he really he knows his stuff. He's very intelligent. He can command a room. And there were elements when I think he was focusing too much on the audiovisual. He was trying to make sure the camera was covering what he was doing. And, you know, it wasn't that big of a room. And maybe I'm speaking for myself as someone that at least has 20-20 vision with glasses anyway and can hear pretty well. <laughs> you know, um, you know his, his mic went out and he was a little concerned at first. Can you hear me? And everybody was like, we can hear you just fine. You know, you're like 10 feet away from me and I'm in the back row. So there was a lot of can concern over getting the audiovisual right when it really wasn't even necessary. So uh, again, speaking from the perspective of somebody who can see and hear relatively well, um, it it almost got in the way. So if they were in fact recording it, which I would love to see some sort of recording going on that could then be produced. I mean, heck popular woodworking has this shop class on demand vehicle that they could, you know, totally rent it. That would be great. That would be it would be a great moneymaker for them, honestly. So right. if they were recording it, then yes, the audiovisual has got to be dead on. But if they were recording based on the, the quality of the stuff they had there, I would be really disappointed if I paid five bucks for that. Yeah, you'd want it to be you clear, know. good audio and everything. Yeah. yeah so interesting. Anyway, I and to be clear, I do have a little insight on this. The recording things, there's some apparently there's some pretty strict language in the speaking contracts that popular woodworking has with each one of these speakers. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some legal reasons why they don't do that. It's the same legal reasons they tell bloggers we can't record entire sessions and put them up on the internet. So I do think that they're they're aware of it, but I think there's some lawyers that need to get involved before they can do some of that stuff. Yeah, right. That seems to be the case. All right, I'm going to jump um, into another one here, if that's okay. Go for it. No, no, not at all. Okay, uh, I'm going to go home. Wait, I am okay. home. Oh, you are home. Uh, okay, so this one is from Aaron Marshall. And he's sort of answering the questions that I, I listed out to him directly. So he says, how it compared to last year, 
Classes are much longer, two-plus hours versus last year's one hour, resulting in a much slower pace. You could realistically only take four classes per day. Seemed like fewer of the classes actually, quote-unquote, grabbed me. There were some pretty arcane topics. Glancing at the class descriptions, I kept thinking, when am I ever going to do that? Uh, What did you like? He says, uh, a few of the classes had topics that were not something I would do, but were surprisingly entertaining and well-taught. Of course, meeting up with old and new friends, hanging out in the marketplace. The facilities uh, were good and comfortable, very appropriate venue. All of the instructors instructors were friendly and approachable. What you didn't like... He says, a few of the instructors were pretty bland, not great speakers. Combined with a two-hour class length, I had to escape so I didn't snooze. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, he oh, says, I should um, be familiar with that sound. <laughs> nice. I, there must be a story there. Oh, because you guys slept together, right? Uh, we slept <laughs> should I re- room. I'm going to say yeah. from now on, you guys slept together. Should I reword that for you? Or We no. had separate no. beds. It's official. <laughs> We had a wall made of pillows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Those weren't pillows. Oh, boy. All right. So Aaron also says Sunday seemed like it was an afterthought. It's only It was the only, um, I guess, only the local pop woodworking editors uh, in, as the instructors. The marketplace was closed, and most people were traveling that day. Uh, will you go again? He said, certainly, but I was surprised to find myself a little disappointed compared to last year. And in answering the question, what could they do better? He says that the JPEG Wars event was a train wreck. Couldn't hear over the Oompa Band. uh, Wasn't moderated well. People were walking out left and right. I expected discussion and critique, and instead, all we could do was clap for the good picks. It was embarrassing for everybody involved. And he said that the scheduling was problematic. They staggered the classes, uh, the start times of the classes, probably to reduce crowding in the marketplace. But the result was that I often had to make a decision between competing classes and tracks and maybe had to walk out of a class that was almost over just to get the one, to one that was just starting. And in answer to the question of would he go again, he says, well, I'll likely go again no matter what, unless all the rest of the crew stops going. So clearly for Aaron, it's a large focus on, well, like everybody so far, a large focus on the social aspect. Right. You know, you know the, the one one thing with uh, yeah. the, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I buzzed first. Um, Shannon, I wanted to ask you, there was a rumor going around. And I, I, I don't know if it was the beer that made me misunderstand this. Was there? Do you I was know, young was, at the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I needed the money. <laughs> well, there's that, too. Um, but there, there was I heard one of the special events had to be canceled either due to it was a, 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 the location wasn't ready or it was a really bad turnout or something. I, I thought I heard something about one of those had been canceled. I don't know if, if you knew anything about that or heard anything. I have no um, knowledge for that. Okay, I want to check it out. The, the one thing about the JPEG war, um, when we got there, they're right, the, the, the music was way too loud. And the just before the JPEG wars, there was that was when they had the uh, How to Save Woodworking uh, um, discussion, forum, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and I had heard quite a few people complain in that, that they couldn't hear either, that the music was just too loud. It was like oh, we didn't know you were going to have a band and have all-out party night tonight because right. the polka band was actually pretty good. How do you go from beer barrel polka to don't stop believing and then back <laughs> to beer barrel polka again? It was pretty intense. So that was that was good. But, yeah, the JPEG Wars, what a disappointment, I have to say, because um, it, they just kept – it looked like almost they had this like the same cassette of, of slides and they just kept rolling it over and over and over. And there was no, like, you know, announcement how we're going to do this. It was just something like – Oh, we're gonna do this, and the, you could barely hear poor uh, uh, Ajax up there as he was trying to explain, like, you know, okay, you have to cheer for it, and what we can't hear you because now they're moving on to the next turn song out there, along with the next polka. 
Right. And so that was like one of those that could have been just a little bit better planned on that portion. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if they just kind of got duped into what room they were going to get and not tell them that it was going to be all out party night out there. Well, it makes you wonder why they didn't just do it in the in the convention hall. Right. Yes. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, you can't just have people roaming in the marketplace because there's a lot of very expensive, valuable tools. Um, right. I mean, they kicked me out pretty fast. I was actually trying to do a hand tools school event that night, which did you know that you can't do a password protected use stream over a password protected firewall? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Huh. But regardless, once I figured out that it was a technical issue, I mean, they were running us out the door and I'm like, I'm an exhibitor. I'm actually a vendor in this marketplace. So like, I don't care. Get out of here. So I, I guess that's probably why they didn't do it in there. But I just, I just wonder uh, there should have been some place. I mean, this is a big convention hall to actually yeah. do it there. Now there's no place to eat. And I suppose that's part of it. People are pretty dang hungry. And right. They're no trying beer. to give everybody the, the experience again, to have fun with right. it. And, and, and there's no else. beer. No one would have gone. I mean, right, exactly. Yeah. Cause we wouldn't have gone to it. That's what the, somebody Perfectly said. They're going to have good German beer there. We're like dollar trolley over here. <laughs> <laughs> which, now, something else that Aaron said was the staggering of the classes, which I can understand why they did that. But what was interesting is it seemed like they grouped all the same classes together. They did. So you really, you know, if you were, say, interested in like contemporary design, like all of Ajax's classes, well, not all of his because he can only be in one place at the same time, but all the ones similar to that. You know, and then like Charles Brock, like in that kind of more contemporary bent, we're all together. And and for someone like me, I was really interested in what Chuck Bender had to say and what Peter Follinsby had to say and what Adam Carabini had to say. And they were all happening at the same time, oh, you know, weird. and Roy Underhill, you know. So it's like, well, if you want to learn about the rising dovetail, well, then you've got to skip Adam Carabini's rabbits, grooves and dados. And then you have to skip, you know, Follinsby's um, Riven Oak convert discussion. So so I find myself kind of like I do with my DVR at home, finding out when that show comes on again, because I can only record so many things at the time, right. you know, and, and it wasn't offered again, you know, or it was offered at like 11 o'clock on Sunday. And, mm. and let's be honest, I had a nine and a half hour drive. <laughs> I was, I was out the door yeah. at, at, you know, 9am with, you know, a rental truck full of workbench and gear through 550 miles of torrential rain, I might add, but that's another story. Oh, Jeez. I had blue sky all the way home. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> nice. No one likes you here, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I got that impression at the event, but I'm coming back anyways. All right. Well, um, I, I have another email. Um, okay, you have another one? All right. Yeah, I do. Uh, this one's from Nick Brown, and I had to butt in and say that because Nick Brown is a cool dude, and I'm glad I got to meet him. So Nick Brown! Guess, yes, Nick is in the house. Oh, not here. So, tonight. let's see. This year's Woodworking in America certainly had its ups and downs. The class selection seemed incredibly less diverse than last year, with many of the classes seeming like rehashes of magazine articles or just a shortening and rework of DVD content. Between that and many lectures that were very similar to last year's content, it left many people feeling disappointed. On the other hand, Wilbur, Wilbur Pan, and I spent almost all weekend in Jay Van Arsdale's classes. He added another much-needed perspective and was an incredible lecture. Another high point was Adam Carabini. He had some great classes, and in particular, his class challenging the definition of what fine furniture woodworkers should be producing really shocked a lot of people. I definitely second that. And Megan did a great job teaching some basics classes, such as your first dovetails. So yes. kudos to Megan. Yes. The marketplace was certainly the main attraction and, as usual, was centered around the Hand Tool Olympics. Mike Seamson did a great job of making sure people knew that it's not the tool that makes the woodworker. He was very proud of his dovetail kit, 
that included a two by four, a hacksaw, and a screwdriver, (laughs) as well as very ingenious marking gauge mounted of a block of wood and a drywall screw. But with all the outrageous infill plane and screwdriver makers, (laughs) I have a feeling that that message may have gotten lost and there were a lot of very overpriced tools there. That's all caps. It's sad when you start looking at Lee Nielsen and Lee Valley as low to mid-priced options. I had that conversation a few times. Right? That's crazy. I'll go again if just to see the blogger crew. As usual, we were still outsiders compared to the rest of the crowd. And I believe the high point was when one of the Lee Nielsen marketing people came over to ask me who us bloggers were and what we were trying to accomplish with our matching shirts. (laughs) I attempted to explain who we were and I got nothing but a blank stare even when I name dropped your name, yours, Mark, as well as Tom and Shannon's. I think that's Mark. It could be Matt. I don't know who he's referring to there. We're going to say Matt because Matt was there. I was going to say, wow. like, wait a minute. What about me? <laughs> Matt's in there. Oh, wait, I've, been, I've been saying that my whole life. What about me? <laughs> what about me? So but Nick finishes by saying, wow, they really have no clue. And she was about 35, I would guess. So that that's kind of telling. And I actually had a similar experience with the Lee Valley folks. They were like, who who are all these people? You know, and and it wasn't just Lee Valley, but some of the larger, well, Lee Valley, a um, little bit of Lee Nielsen, definitely Woodcraft, and some of the bigger power tools like Powermatic and, and such. These were guys that do shows for a living. It's like that's their job. Right. You yeah. go around, travel around to conventions and do shows. And that was pretty obvious. You know, here's a guy that's just punching a clock. Yes, he knows about the tools he's selling. Um, he probably is even a woodworker. But the fact that that's even in doubt is something that, you know, when you when you put that up against somebody like, say, Matt Bickford, who makes his own molding planes, but is also writing a book on how to hand stick moldings and is like a font of knowledge on it, or or Chuck Bender standing next to the furniture that he actually made, you know, as compared to the guy in, you know, the polo shirt and khaki pants with the fancy name tag and the big splashy fancy booth, you know, there is something to be said about that. So sure. I don't know. It, it's just kind of interesting because of the fact that Lee Nielsen and Lee Valley are the middle of the road option now. And you can go two booths over and spend $500 more on a hand plane than you could at Lee Nielsen. It was, uh, it was kind of an interesting paradigm shift. Right. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, was that the end of his or? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to go to Diami's here. And if you don't know Diami, he's a, a very talented roofer from what I understand. A published nice. talented roofer. And uh, his website is penultimatewoodshop.com. So you can go check out his stuff. And I think he, he might be doing a review. I'm not sure uh, of the event, but anyway. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Nick Brown, digitalwoodworker.com. There you go. I forgot to put his uh, website in there. Just because just wanna... there's some really good photos on his website from the event. So go check yes, it out. Very good. And I just want to extend a, uh, an apology to Diami on the part of Tom and I. As your <laughs> uh, teammates at the Hand Tool Olympics, we totally let you down, especially Tom. <laughs> Nice. I, um, I think I might have helped Throw out just under a little the bus. bit. <laughs> All right. So, and, and as the winner of the blogger competition, I want to thank you. <laughs> Our team. Right. Uh, Diami's. Well, we'll talk. I want to know more about that in a minute. Uh, Diami says, "How it compared to last year overall? Better. Overall, the classes were not quite as good, but I found Adam Carabini to be fantastic, and the cool woodworking folk in attendance were even more numerous than last year. What I liked." After I followed Shannon into one of his classes, I found Adam Carabini to be an absolutely fantastic teacher and lecturer, even though I'm not a fan of 18th century woodworking. And as, a, as great as Adam was, the even better part was hanging out with all of my woodworking friends. 
What I didn't like, the class selection this year left the hybrid woodworker with something to be desired. Will you go again? Absolutely. Uh, what could they do better? More power tool classes would be nice. Now, I remember last year there were quite a few power tool right. classes, and that just seemed to drop off the map this time, or what? Well, there was yeah, that's the, interesting. Uh, it did, didn't it? Yeah, I think the only one that I can think of right off the top of my head is uh, Glenn Huey's power uh the joinery power tool challenge or something like that. And they were trying to like build it kind of as like we got the, the Ron Herman hand tool joinery challenge. And then there's the, the, the Glenn Huey one. And as far as I can think of, other than a track saw that Steve Shannessy was using in the, uh, uh, the veneers and uh, modern furniture, I can't think of any other, any other power tool classes at all. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's telling. Um, I'm curious what they're going to do next year. I do want to. I definitely want to spend some time talking about the future of this whole thing. But let's let's finish up with what the last one should be. Uh, Matt Gradwell's one. Yep. And uh, so we have a 30 second delay on this because uh, after spending some time with Matt, I think we need a moment in there to catch ourselves when the stuff starts flying. <laughs> dump, dump out. Dump out. I have a little bit of a Ron Burgundy thing where I'll just read whatever's in front of me. So. <laughs> Anyways, so this is Matt Gradwell, Uppercut Woodworks at UppercutWoodworks.com. My 2011 WIA priorities. One, to renew my connection with my online woodworking buddies. Two, to get great deals on hand tools. I bought what I needed at the show and I got good deals. I'm happy. Three, classes were actually my third priority. Maybe this is because after seeing the schedule that I didn't think there was much new content compared to last year and I reset my expectations. So what did I notice different this year? One, they served lunch which is a high priority for myself also. Uh, two, the class times were longer. Three, there were, in general, fewer classes overall and fewer compelling classes. Sorry, the chat room's cracking me up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why, what do they say about Tom, stop it. Uh, they're just continuing on with the point system. <laughs> okay. uh, what I liked. One, longer class times facilitated more open discussion and hands-on time. Two, Hand to Olympics was awesome. They should be a center stage event. This is truly the only place to get WIA to get hands-on teaching, and that's ridiculous. Three, I attended the shave, saving, shaving woodworking, saving woodworking <laughs> event and liked the discussion but didn't like the Oompa band. Again, Actually, nothing. shaving woodworking could be pretty cool for next year. <laughs> I would need and to again, go to that because clearly I have a problem with that. Yeah, by Sunday, I was pretty thick. I think I was being put on the terrorist watch list as I was trying to get through the airport. Um, now, uh, what I didn't like, one, classes weren't compelling. Some speakers weren't prepared or good at speaking publicly. Two, figure out your AV issues. Crappy focus, not loud enough. Uh, what could they do better? One, they need to tackle topics that they haven't tackled before. Two, they seem to be going back further back in time. Hello, Fallen Uh They need to embrace the hybrid woodworker. And three, how about hands-on tutorials? Will I go again? Yes, but remember, the sessions are my third priority. It would be great if there were some awesome teachers covering interesting topics. Now, this, th wow. Oh, yeah, he, he covered quite a bit there. One thing I will say, and this was kind of glossed over a little bit, and unfortunately, Steve Shannessy, if I remember, has never had a class before at Woodworking in America. And he was teaching a class called uh, The Contrarian Cabinet Maker. And I, I was really looking forward to this just from the description, and I can't remember what the description is offhand. But once I got in there, unfortunately, it moved kind of slow. And really, I think the vast majority of the people that were in there, and this actually happened too, they were trying to feel out if maybe this class had something to do with the direction of the magazine now that so many people have – there's been so many changes. Oh, and somebody even brought that up because at one point Steve made a comment, which 
in the back of my mind, I interpreted it as, oh, he's going to, this is our chance to jump in here. And somebody actually did. And Steve shot it down super fast. It was shot down faster than a sorority girl telling me no way in hell when I was in college. <laughs> so that's pretty fast, let me tell you. Uh, but he, he, his whole gist of it, though, and I think this really got lost on quite a few people, was he was talking about the hybrid woodworker without calling it the hybrid woodworker. He was pointing out that it's okay to use modern tools. It's okay to use, you know, hand tools. It's okay to use modern materials. And there was, to some degree, from what what I experienced when I was in there, there was a lot of resistance to this. It was almost like, no, you can't because you belong to this magazine and it has to be this way. Or you can't think like that. So it was almost as if they were dipping their toes to say, let's see what happens with this. And it's almost as if the piranhas started biting at the toes saying there's no way in hell this is happening. You know, I wanted to ask you guys, and Matt, you, you were at a lot of the earlier ones. I remember one of the things that really caught my attention and what made woodworking in America different was not so much the amazing marketplace, you know, which seems to be the case now. It was right. the fact that it was almost like a way to go to a bunch of mini clinics, hands-on clinics, where you could actually go maybe even bring a small set of tools with you, sit at a bench, do a little bit of work, and get all the hands-on stuff that everyone seems to be describing uh, in the competition booth, you know, the Hand Tool Olympics booth. So I'm wondering, is this... I thought that that's where this whole thing was going. I thought that was the future of woodworking in America, was more hands-on, which people clearly are clamoring for. Um, Right. Now, again, I think this is the difference between, like, us in our little world, the blogging world, yeah. and the rest of the people going. Because I I have some insight on this because they tried it in previous years and that's where it was. Yeah. And right. it ended up flopping. Like no one participated. It was like a middle school dance where the boys stood against one wall and the girls against the other wall. What, and it got to be awkward. Interesting. Because okay. the, the hand tool, what was it? Was I think it was Valley Forge where they had like there was a, a, a lesson – um, and then there was a separate session, you know, some other yes. time during the day down in the marketplace where you yep. could go and be hands on. And people just stood around and expected the instructor to lecture again. And yeah. when no one wanted to jump in and do anything, the instructor just defaulted and just gave another little lecture. Yeah. And, yes. and people brought tools and never got them out and never did anything with them. So I think that, you know – if that's all there was to do, um, the one time I did see it happen was actually Chuck Benders in Valley Forge because he's like, look, I've talked enough. Um, you guys are either going to ask questions or I've got work to do. And he like started working on his bench. Right. He had a, a commission I think he was working on. And, and then people like got up and started getting laying hands on tools and then Chuck stopped what he was doing and kind of guided them through it. So I do think that while you know the three of us and, and certainly the chat room is saying more hands on, more hands on, you got to wonder – you know, there was uh, a thousand people that attended this event. Um, how many of them really, first of all, can you, can you bring tools? I mean, we saw right. how, how the TSA, you know, roughed up people coming back from woodworking in America. And there were several, I think, rubber glove searches that went on because you had a sharp tool in your carry-on bag or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how, how easy is that? So then the other alternative is to have tools ready to go. And that's an even bigger problem you know for probably the woodworking it's it's hard enough i think for them to provide enough workbenches but then to provide you know saws and chisels and tools and you know the hand tool olympics i think is kind of the compromise there you know only one person can compete at a time so they've got everybody uses the same tool so i think let they should look at that as the example and how do we how do we turn that into something bigger 
you know, I think you're going to have to continue to have classes because frankly, that's, I think I may be wrong, but I think that's the majority of the people are going because they saw this class and they're going to go, you know, otherwise it's just the woodworking show, you know, it's just a big marketplace. You know, that's that's one thing, especially a lot of people are flying in for this. I mean, they're, they're, they're coming from all over the place. Not everybody's going to be able to drive and see so you're right. There's going to be a real issue with, you know, you have to bring a checked on bag or a checked on tool chest in order to get your tools there. <laughs> the, the very first uh, WIA in, in Berea, uh, there was a few hands-on kind of like, I guess we call it like lab classes where you were able to, you know, actually follow through with what they're doing. There was, there was only a few and those sold out really, really fast because obviously there's limited space. You're right about the, the, the second year. because it was the one at St. Charles and the one at Valley Forge. I only made it to the St. Right. Charles one, which you were at also Shannon. And yeah. you, what you were talking about, you're right. They, they, you went down in the marketplace and there was kind of like this lab area and you, you nailed it on the head. A lot of people just stood around and expected it to be the second half of the lecture we just watched. Right. And nobody really, really participated in it. It was because painful. Like, I felt bad was. for the presenters because they're like, you know, I don't have anything prepared. And everybody right. just stood there and watched them. And they're like, all right. So they just started telling stories, you know? Yeah, because I have, like, some footage with Jim Toplin uh, where he was doing the, the that whole thing with, like, you know, how to measure it out using your hands and your body parts and stuff. And not one person stepped up to give it an attempt. So he basically was like, all right, well, I'll just make another stool out of cardboard. And blah, 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 right. there it is. Uh, Mark plays over there. Um Last year's when we were there, Mark, they had those benches, remember, in the back of the room, and that was supposed to be like, okay, lecture over, yeah. let's migrate to the back. And the only thing those benches did was they, they held up most people's rear ends as they were watching the class. Yeah, it was just to lean on. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I, I brought a whole bunch of tools with me in the hopes that we were going to do that, and it, it just wasn't possible because, yeah, everybody was just standing around and nobody was really doing anything. So it's, it's unfortunately, it's I agree, I'd love to see more hands-on stuff, but it would really have to be almost like a weekend of just hands-on and then a weekend of lecture because I don't well, know. Well, how here's the thing. Um, I think that they got to have the classes. They, they right. Otherwise it is just any other woodworking show, right. but there were a few really, really bright moments this weekend. And I had, you know, probably no fewer than 20 people come up to me and say, Graham Blackburn is the man. Oh, yes. Yes. And, and, you know, here's a guy that the, the topic wasn't really anything different. I mean, Graham, Graham Blackburn has been around forever and, you know, David Charlesworth probably would have done a good job, but at the same time, it probably would have been the same as his DVDs. Right. And, and, and God bless you, David. I hope you're feeling better. Um, right. The, the the thing with, with Graham is there was a lot of that kind of light bulb smack in the forehead. Oh, my God, that's why you do that or yes. what a brilliant tip. And this is this is why I think where the, where the future needs to go is they need to be very careful about who they pick to present. And there's no reason that there has to be 50 classes, right. you know, have like four, um, it, it, four a day, you know, and, and have a lot more marketplace time. But the way it was set up, if you actually tried to get at every single class, you'd be in the marketplace for 15 minutes. I mean, it is such a breakneck pace. So yeah. this serves two things. Not only do you you can focus more on good quality content in that lesson, but it also stretches things out a little bit. So you've got some future in this. If, if you blow all the topics in the first four years, what are you going to do in the next four years? You know, woodworking right. won't change that significantly in four years. It hasn't changed that significantly in several thousand so, you know, I, I think especially because they, they were moving kind of away from the hybrid and back towards mm-hmm. the hand side of things, you know, there's lots more stuff that you can talk about 
right. but get a good presenter and and don't stack it so much, you know? Right. Um, yeah. There was a lot of good feedback on, on, on Charles Brock, even though his DVD, again, Charles is a very good presenter. This is a guy that taught elementary school for 30 plus years. He knows how to handle a room. And believe me, the way most of us are acting, it was just like elementary school. For <laughs> a room of children. <laughs> Basically. So I, I think that I'm trying to think. Uh, who were the other big ones? Adam Carabini, again, I said this when I interviewed him. The man is a great presenter. Uh, Peter Follinsby, another really good presenter. Again, here's a guy who presents to tourists all day long. You know, they can they can run a room. Roy always has a good presentation. So right. I think that there's there's something to that. Just how many classes were there this year? There had to be at least 30. Yeah. 30 classes in, in, in really just two well, days because yeah, Sunday is like repeat. You know, well, yeah, I mean, they, they repeat a few on Saturday also, but you're right, right. there. There's, you know, really, actually, if you look at if you look at it, there's enough for um, one and a half days total before they start repeating. Right. That, you know, that because I, I remember working it out once before last year. I know for a fact that that's what it was, because I remember thinking, well, I'm not going to go to any on Sunday because I'll have everything covered Friday, Saturday. And this week, this year, it was kind of the, well, at least for me, the classes I wanted to go to because uh, I did plan on uh, stopping. Like I stopped in at Megan Fitzpatrick's the the uh, do your first dovetails, which I think she did a great job. She really under undercuts herself on, on what how she presents, but she did a fantastic job with it. She's a trained teacher. Yes. I mean, think about it. She teaches English literature. Yes. So, I mean, there, there's some really to be said about that, you know? Right. Yeah. That, that Graham Blackburn class was fantastic. There's a funny moment. I got to share this. Uh, I, I kind of sat in there a little bit. I walked out, came back in because unfortunately I missed part of it. The little part I did see just blew me away because I had like that aha moment, which I have to thank Gary from Elkhead Tools because he's the one that told me, like, you have to at least check it out. It'll change kind of your perspective on how you're doing things with planes. So I went up to uh, Graham afterwards, and I said, you know, I, I can handle a business card. I'm like, listen, I've got a little bit more than 90 seconds of footage. Can I use what I have? You know, I need to get your permission to use this. And it was so funny because he more or less was like, yes, and just then he started to fill out this book. And he's like, you said that was Matt, right? I'm like, yeah. And the next thing I know, I bought a book, and I had no intentions. I just went up there to, <laughs> to get permission to, to use this footage. And the next thing I know, I'm whipping out my credit card, and I'm buying a book. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> How did that just happen? That's a nice you know? trick. It was, it was fantastic. You know? And it was funny because as I was saying stuff to him, he's like, do you want me to write this in the book? And I'm like, well, yeah. Go, no, just to Matt, uh, my favorite woodworker. Um, then, uh, wait a minute. Which book is, okay, yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> you know, and went from there. But it, he was a really fantastic. And he he kind of did a little acknowledgement to Dave, uh, Charles David. Or, yeah, did I just say that wrong? Why do I do Charles doing that? David? Yeah. David Charlesworth. Yes, him too. <laughs> and uh, but he kind of gave, kind of gave him a nod and was like, you know, because I think somebody even asked, like, are you covering the same exact topic? And he's like, yes, but I'm going to do it my way. And to yeah. be honest with you, I, I loved his way. It really, um, it, it was really fantastic. And he was one of the highlights of my weekend. I would have to say, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't in there for the full entire class, and he had a couple of classes on on hand planing, and both of them were packed houses. And everybody I talked to that walked away was like, that was the most amazing thing ever. So, so, yeah. so think about that, Matt or Matt Gradwell. Sorry, Matt Gradwell just joined the chat room. So, um, okay. hey, Matt, the Graham Graham Blackburn. I can't remember if he's ever written in popular woodworking, not in recent memory. So there's mm-hmm. something to be thinking about, you know, I mean, right. you, you have this vehicle to kind of preach the word when you put out the magazine, woodworking in America is an opportunity to kind of try out new topics in some respects, um, yep. you know, instead of rehashing something that's already been covered or 
and, and I'll be the first person to say, if you're going to rehash it, don't lecture it, like get people on a room and have them do it, you know? Um, right. And I, I think that with a very specific agenda, much like taking a woodworking class, you know, if we knew that we're going to go in and we're going to cut the rising dovetail that Roy Underhill talks about. Now that may not be the best example because he hasn't written an article about that. Um, I see that coming though. So if there was an article in the magazine or a DVD or something like that, then you could say, okay, here's where we're actually going to go in and cut it. Um, that could be kind of fun. But the rest of the time, you know, take take uh, an opportunity to grab some of these speakers. And, and they started to do that this year with new guys that had never spoken before. And, you know, crazy. I think they were the most popular ones. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Well, so. oh, it seems like, and that's what I was a little bit, you know, I wasn't there during the, the first, um, the first sessions that they had, I guess, what was it? Valley Forge or wherever it was, but the ones where it was more hands-on, it seems like if you have an agenda, if I'm there to learn how to cut a dovetail and I'm, you know, got all the stuff ready to go, it seems like it, unless you leave it kind of loosey goosey, like, okay, who wants to come up and cut this? People who are paying to be there should be anxious to go and just learn to cut that specific joint because it's part of, you know, the agenda and what they're there to do. Right. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it also makes me wonder, I wanted to ask you guys your thoughts on this. We have to remember, this is still a popular woodworking event. And there are yeah. a lot of other incredibly talented woodworkers out there who might not be able to even think about participating in <laughs> something like this. Might be on a contract to a competing publication. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that is going to sort of long term have it might have its effect on something like this. They can they can only do so much because I mean literally, is it safe to say half or or maybe even more than half of some of the most talented people aren't even eligible to be at this event? Right. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, last year we had uh, Michael Fortune. I mean, that was just a really great class. I really enjoyed his. And I know he's usually associated primarily with uh, fine woodworking. So that kind of crossed my mind, too. Like, how many of these people are suddenly like, you know, oh, you can't go there? Yeah. Or, yeah. What are you What are you doing? <laughs> do you Do you think that the um, that it also might have an issue with? Um, well, really, the same thing every publication has to deal with is the fact that new woodworkers are the most likely to buy your product. They're looking for the information. They need the information. So you have to always, to at least some extent, cater to the brand new woodworker. So then will this event become harder and harder to attract people who are more experienced just because by nature, like you said, we are the minority, a vocal minority, but we're the minority. What about the other thousand people who were there? What did they think of the event? And if they had a blast because these topics were right up their alley, uh, right. Is is that going to, you know, be, oh, just over time, is that not going to be good for the rest of us who kind of don't want the beginner stuff necessarily? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, this, this opens up the idea of if it wasn't for the camaraderie that I'm feeling and the fact that I was having way too much fun uh, w with my friends more than anything else, it makes me think that it's you almost have to have a breathing period in there before you attend another one. Yeah. You know, it, this yeah. is almost like one of those things where you can't go like, every single year. Because um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, I've attended every single one except for Valley Forge. I, just, I should have like, a sweater or something like that, a t-shirt. So, <laughs> I was there uh, first. Just like, you know, Rob always won a bad X uh, saw, I just want to mention that. But uh, anyways, it's like one of those, I, I think there there has to be, for the people that have been there for a while, like I said, I, I, the classes seem to be starting to repeating themselves which is also a common complaint in many of the magazines from readers. Gee, you only wrote about this article, you know, this particular topic a year ago or two years ago. You know, there is a finite amount of information that, that can be brought in. But at the same time, though, 
just like you do with the magazine article, you can put a fresh spin on it. Yeah. And you, yeah. you, you can you can maybe even have somebody else talk about it. So one year, Adam Carabini talks about, you know, uh, chisels. And then maybe the next year, somebody else comes in and adds a fresh layer to that and says, well, not let's not pick up where Adam left off. Let's talk about it from my perspective, because I think that's the biggest thing for me is seeing these perspectives that maybe I never saw before. So, you know, that yeah. that really kind of helps out. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it, it, well, it's definitely. You know, again, I, I keep going back to the fact that I, I'm really shocked that they try to cover so much in just a period of a couple of days. You know, and then let's think about this. If they had half the lessons, that would mean half the presenters, which would mean half the overhead. Um, and I mean, this is this is a business for them and it gets really difficult. Um, and I don't know this for sure, but I think it's pretty difficult to break even. Um, I know that the event cost more to put on this year. I mean, that was obvious just on the sheer number of presenters and new presenters that came in and the capacity they required. seems to me if you had less classes, <laughs> you could save a lot of money on overhead. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe, and, and again, I have, I'll be perfectly honest, I have never paid registration for woodworking in America. I get a media pass every single year. Wait, what? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. Big shocker there. But let's think about this. If I didn't, I mean, I spent almost $700 on hotel right. um, and, yep. and the room service that one night, you know, um, it, there it, plus the, what is it? Is it $400 for registration or 300 and change? Something like that. Yeah, if you get the early bird one, yeah, it's like you know, 300 change. You will drop $1,000 on woodworking in America without blinking. So if the, you know, we're, we're hearing, yeah, I'll go back, but mainly just to hang out with my blogging fellows, you know, right. um, it's an expensive damn. social trip. Yeah, I love you guys, <laughs> but a thousand dollars. Damn. Now you bring you know? up a really good point because compare this to your average, let's say five day, um, class. Exactly. And, and yeah. I mean, if I'm it's looking at a thousand dollars, yeah, if I'm going to spend a grand and I could either spend a week with William Ng or Daryl Peart or, you know, I think Jay Van Arsdale actually does a class at the William Ng school. Um, right. You know, something out here for five days versus, you know, flying to Cincinnati and having a great shopping experience on the marketplace floor uh, and also just meeting up with my friends. I mean, for me, I think it is worth it to go to go hang out with my friends. But for a lot of people, if you're on a really tight budget. Hey, I mean, which one as a woodworker and you want to learn woodworking, which one makes more sense? Right. And that's a that's a big question that they're going to have to contend yeah. with. You know, I, I can tell you from from my perspective, it was honestly one of the most valuable weekends I've ever had because I had something like more than a hundred hand tool school current members came, and I got to meet them and I got feedback and the hand tool school is going to be so much better because of it. Um, that was that was awesome. Well, for you, me, you don't. But that's a totally you don't talk to these perspective. You don't talk to these people. Hell no. <laughs> oh, nice to talk to you. No. So what? So what do you think about this thing you just paid money for? <laughs> well, you, know, you know, here's an idea, and I don't know if the the, the folks from Popular Woodworking are, are listening to this or if this will ever get back to them. But uh, my beautiful wife Samantha, amazing creature that she is, I love her to death. She attends a uh, phot- so a that means you're about to say something really bad. <laughs> no, or basically, I'm not, well, maybe I am. Or she's actually. standing right there, one or the other. She has been she has been taking lessons from the ninja lately. She might be like right above me. Hi, Sam. <laughs> but um, she always attends a uh, photography. Uh, uh, conference out in Vegas pretty much every year. And one thing that they offer, and this was just making me think, like we're, we're talking about, you're like, yeah, it'd be so cool to get these hands-on tool classes. You know, it'd be so cool to hang out with these people and actually have this experience with the hands-on. One thing that this photography conference does is 
two to three days or four days before the actual conference itself starts, they offer what they refer to as like as master's classes. You come in a few days early and you get that one-on-one experience with these particular instructors that you want to, you know, hang out with. You get that, uh, that lab experience with whatever it is that you want to learn more about. I wonder if there's a way that they could do that. They would have like a limited number. There has mm. to be like a school in the area or something maybe where they could, you know, rent some benches or something and have it there and, and do something like that where it's like, you know, we, you can get this package where you do such and such with so and so and then included with that package for X amount, a little, you know, we'll, we'll shave some off of it. You get the rest of the conference so you can make a week of it. I wonder how many people would bite it if they've ever thought about that, you know, even if it's only like a two day class. Well, Kel- you know, uh, you- the Kelly Mailer School is right there, and I'm sure there's other schools in that area. That would be awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and again, it's, it's it's another opportunity to bring people in. They get that experience that you know we're we're clamoring, saying that it's not happening, you know. And then, if anything, it's just like one of those. Even if they don't attend it, the word is still getting out that you know, hey, this is a really cool thing. Or you know, a lot of people I, I met there had like the one day pass. And that was that that was pretty good. Cool. I mean, for me, a one day pass could easily work, which is probably what my media pass is probably going to be knocked down to. Um, but it's like, you know, that wasn't too bad because I think you can get a lot of the classes that you want. You just have to be, you know, look at the schedule and say uh, Friday, the majority of the classes are what I want to attend versus Saturday. So that would work. And, you know, it's a great way to get in there. You do the marketplace and you're not so hungover for the whole entire weekend because people keep buying free beers and getting you on the dollar trolley. <laughs> Nice. Right. All right. Well, well you um, know, the, the minute you start to limit potential audience, popular woodworking won't be interested. I mean, let's right. be honest. It's about it's about subscribers. And, uh, you know, is it I, I mean, hate, for, for this for this event, do you still associate that as this just being another thing, another cog in, in the system to create more subscriptions? Whether we associate with that, whether Megan Fitzpatrick and Steve Shaughnessy associate with that, I guarantee you F and W Media does. Oh sure, yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. they're paying the bill on this. Yeah, and and I mean it's it's a print entity. It's all about getting subscribers, and with a frankly a dying media like that, you got to wonder. You know, the minute they start saying, "Okay, this is going to be an exclusive event," then they start losing exhibitors in the marketplace, which is a major revenue stream for that. Um, well, if, you, if you're I, doing like Matt's saying and you have some exclusivity at the front end, but you still have the main event, um, you might be able to charge more for these right. you know, the special attention, uh, but you still right. have the main event. You know, But uh, the thing that you said is what really concerns me about the long-term uh, potential for something like this, because ultimately once it stops being something that draws subscribers or they no longer see them getting that result that they're looking for, then it's over. Right, right. That's a very good point, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a there's a reason why they're doing this, and it's not because they're you know being nice to us, but you know they sometimes are. But no, that's not that's not their motive. Yeah, yeah, they're they're looking long term down the road and just keeping you know keeping them in the family. So are you saying enjoy it while you can? I I don't know if I'll go that far. Um, I uh, I'd hate to say that. I, I I like what it's doing. I like the experiences I've had so far. Well, look but, at it this way: Is there any other thing like this where we can all sort of? Uh, gather together. I mean, there really is nothing else like this. Even the big tool shows in Vegas and Atlanta don't necessarily do this. Exactly. Uh, you know, this yep. is the only place. And I mean, that's why people who can't go wind up going, Ooh, you know, all, all weekend because you really want to be there. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. There, yeah there's, there's no place else that you're seeing, especially these boutique dealers that just have the stuff that you're like, oh, my God, look at that. I've only seen pictures of it, oh, you know, and having a chance to do stuff like that and, you and know, talk with them. We're an hour and 15 minutes into this, and that was one thing I really wanted to, to talk about. And I don't know if we should talk about it now because um, I don't know how long we want to go with this. Okay. But I can, did, can I, I do can I do one quick thing with, with from Woodworking America and then we can uh, go into what you were talking about. I had two funny things. Yeah, go go. Um, two funny things. There has to be a picture. Somebody have you posted it yet? Of uh, uh, Wilbur Pan um, using the Gramercy uh, dovetail saw. Yes, as a that's Japanese on Nick's saw. blog. That on, is a, that is. A, I was standing right there when it happened, and it was the funniest thing ever. Because especially, awesome. he even like looked around to make sure that nobody was noticing, and then flipped it and went to town and made some amazing he, dovetails with it. He told me he did that. I thought he was joking, and then I oh. saw the photo, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Did that. Uh, I, I, number two. I was uh, talking with a listener uh, of Wood Talk Online, and we, we were just kind of uh, talking about hand planes. And then I ran into him again over at the Lee Valley booth. He had just purchased a hand plane, and his his wonderful wife was with him. And she goes, I just want to show you this. And she did the Hand to Olympics, and she pulled out a dovetail that she did, and she it was a one-carder. Now, for those of you who event, are in the Hand to Olympics, you know that a one-card is a damn good dovetail. That's really tight. <laughs> it was fantastic. She's a knitter. What? <laughs> yes. And it was her <laughs> first dovetail ever and i'm like get the hell out of here you are banned get out of here give me that hand saw i got that hand plane what is she she okay, sh- shouldn't out. have even been allowed in she should have set off an alarm on her way <laughs> so if anything i just want to say something to the folks at popular woodworking you need to frisk more often <laughs> dude that's crazy yeah, it was it was amazing but a one card dovetail from a knitter uh, what, what is this world coming to mm-hmm. and i had an 11 using saws backwards and knitters making dovetails yeah. So anyways, go ahead with what you were saying, because I think what you had to bring up is a pretty important thing. Well, yeah. actually, the last thing I'll say is for next year, we are talking. I've already talked to Mike Simpson about an East first West part of the hand tool Olympics. Ooh. So the hardest part is going to be being able to get someone who can oversee it. And um, uh, what's what's the word? Retailers that can provide like Japanese tool prizes, as well as someone that can actually provide the tools to, to work on. So it's oh. something that we've got a whole year to work on it, but it's definitely in the works. And I was, I've already talked to uh, Nick and Wilbur, and I got an email out to Jay Van Arsdale about this. Nice. So I was actually getting excited because I thought you were saying we were going to have like an East Coast, West Coast rivalry. So, so did I. Yeah. I'm like seeing like a Tupac and Biggie going down. <laughs> That's exactly what Diami said when I posted that on, yeah. uh, on G+. I'm like, I'm like, God, that's what Mark, Mark would be uh, Tupac and I'd be uh, Biggie. So well, it, would te- it would tear me up a little bit. I mean, my, I'm, yeah. I'm originally East Coast. That's kind of where my, my heart is, but I'm definitely living on the West Coast-ish area. So, man, that would that would tear me up a little bit. Oh, wow. I don't know okay. who to side with. All right. So, anyway, what I what I wanted to get into a little bit, and this is more, you know, still focused on WIA. We'll, we'll, we'll have to make this an abbreviated version of this conversation. Um, you know, the thing with the, the marketplace that's very interesting and, and what really separates it, I think, aside from the hand tool Olympics, what separates it from the wood shows, you know, that travel around the country for most of us is the level of quality of the tools themselves. Uh, at, you know, this is a place, and I think it was in Nick's comments where he said Lee Valley and, you know, Veritas and, uh, Lee Nielsen suddenly become the low end of the spectrum. <laughs> how, how the hell does that happen? Um, yeah. You know, so here's an event where we're really talking literally serious boutique level tools that honestly, I mean, to be real, most of us can't afford. Right. Um, and if you well, do, I mean, it's you really got to save up your beans to uh, to take one of these things home. I, I think that the, I can take exception with that a little bit. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be more expensive. Certainly it is more expensive. But, you know, there's a difference between a, a, a Sauer and Steiner plane and, you know, well, 
infill planes in general are at that extreme. But I was having this conversation with uh, one of one of the hand tool school members, and it turned into like twenty people standing around listening before I noticed it. it was kind of freaky, a little intimidating. But we were talking about dovetail saws, and I I found myself not recommending Lee Nielsen. And it's like I've been cutting dovetails for five years on a Lee Nielsen saw, and suddenly I'm not recommending it anymore. And and I had to stop myself and say the Lee Nielsen dovetail saw is an awesome saw. I used it for five years, but I picked up a Badax saw and I hung the Lee Nielsen one up. And the difference is, yes, Badax is more expensive, but it's more tailored. Um, and I think that's the difference. Um, in, in speaking with Thomas Lee Nielsen, I was up in Maine. When they make a tool, they have to be prepared to make thousands of them. And that's the difference. Whereas Mark Harrell um, makes them one at a time. You know, Matt Bickford makes his molding planes one at a time. Um, and that, to me, I think is the direction that that's heading. It isn't necessarily ridiculously more expensive. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but what is the difference between Badax and, and Lee Nielsen? Is it a hundred dollars? I don't honestly know. Well, see, and that's where I, that's, I guess everybody is going to have their own level of what they refer to as ridiculous because what I'm yeah, thinking that's is true. hundred dollars, you know, be... for the average person, I'm talking the average person who can't justify putting up the, you know, this $10, $15 Dozuki to go get a Lee Nielsen, let alone right. stepping up a hundred bucks to a bad ax. Um, right. You know, so, I mean, that's where we're, we're talking about super premium level, uh, whether it's chisels or, you know, um, infill planes or, or whatever. Um, I just think it's really, it's really interesting to say what's happening in the market that these vendors are not only, you know, they're actually repeat customers. They're coming back every year because clearly it's this is who they need to be putting their stuff in front of. They must be selling enough to justify it. So I think it's just it's a, it's a, just a really interesting thing to observe uh, that's happening well, in the Hansel world. There's also the thing that, you know, Mark, uh, you and I talked about this uh, in, in email. Um, what is their profit margin, really? Yeah. I mean, from from the perspective of someone that runs an online hand tool school, I was there to see if we could get deals for my members, to talk about discounts, talk about special deals for hand tool school members, because there are a lot of hand tool makers there, and and they won't they won't hear it, and and I gotta wonder. Many of them say that they can't even afford to discount, so it seems to me their profit margins are so narrow to begin with that. Well, I mean, look at Andrew Lund at Accenture Toolworks. Um, he made an amazing saw. What was he charging? Like $500 for a dovetail saw? Right. And that was like the the dumbed down version. It's not the one that Christopher Shores uses. That one's probably like $700. And it took so much to make it. He wasn't, you know, I don't know whether, I don't think he went out of business because he couldn't afford it. He couldn't afford it. I think he just kind of got burnt out a little bit. But there's, you know, there's something to be said about at what point does the labor required to make such an incredibly beautiful tool? Can you make any money on that? You know? So how many of these guys are actually going to be in existence a year or two from now? Yeah. And I think that's what I'm most amazed about is how many of them have been for the last few years, <laughs> Good point. Uh, especially in what we're all should really know at this point is, is pretty much a down economy. Um, right. It's amazing. But, you know, the same thing happens across the board. We're a down economy, yet people are still lining up and pre-ordering iPhones. I mean, our, our priorities are certainly shifted and, and not, oh, yeah. not everyone is hurting so bad that they can't get the fun stuff. That's tomorrow, by the way, pre-orders for the new iPhone. As we're recording. <laughs> you know, it, it, one thing is, uh, <laughs> what else we were talking about, kind of like the high-end things, um, you know, the, the new concepts, fret saw. Uh, I happened to ride down in the elevator with the uh, the, the manufacturer of a 
great guy. He was cracked me up. Probably my favorite quote of the entire show. Uh, Elcat Tools makes a nice replacement blade. It comes in two sizes, uh, medium and large, that you can get for the uh, new new concept saw. In fact, a bunch of our friends uh, that were walking around there ended up buying it. And this one guy was in the uh, the elevator with us, and he said. You know, I want to get your saw, and the saw man turns and says, that's fantastic. He goes, let me ask you a question. Uh, well, first he says, you know, Elkhead Tools makes this great replacement handle. And uh, the guy's like, well, why would I want a replacement handle? New concept gentleman turns and says, let me ask you a question. Do you like women's breasts? <laughs> <laughs> and oh I pretty much God. was like, God, where the hell is my microphone? I got to record this. I got to record this. <laughs> and he said, uh, the guy's like, well, um, <laughs> yeah. And new concepts gentleman said, the uh, aftermarket one, it's more expensive, but it feels like you're cupping a woman's breast. <laughs> and I'm like, I want one now. I don't even want the saw. I just <laughs> want the two. handle. Okay. <laughs> one for each hand. See, that's so, yeah. marketing right there. It, it was, like. yeah. So I, I, had to, I had to tell the guys at Elkhead, I'm like, listen, I've got your next tagline for your magazine. Or your <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you know what I actually really like about the fact, and, and you know, price aside, what's cool about these tool manufacturers is they they are the people who exhibit the same passion for their tool making and for their craft as we do for our woodworking projects, which is why I think there is, regardless of the fact of whether or not you can afford what they're selling, there is a little bit of a camaraderie there right off the bat with them, you know, because you can understand what it is that's driving them to to make and sell a product that may not have uh, as high of a profit margin as it could if they just kind of tone things down a little bit, you know, so you you have to kind of respect that. Uh, just for for having the balls to do it, right? Very true. Yeah, Sweet. we were talking about breasts, though. So yeah, sorry to switch. Uh, give you a, a complete <laughs> one eighty there on you. <laughs> yeah, you had me. And Adult Swim has begun on the Talk Online. Yeah, it has. All right. Well, we're hitting about an hour and a half, so I think we will right. uh, pinch this one off. Um, we appreciate everybody uh, giving us all the feedback and everything like that. And you know what? If you're a listener of the show and you went to WIA and maybe you're not a blogger, go ahead and send us an email because I, I would be really, or, or leave us a voicemail. I'd be interested in finding out your thoughts on this as well. And maybe we can get some more broad perspective over what actually happened. And I, I'd be real curious to find out popular woodworkings feedback uh, that they've gotten uh, not just from our show, I hope they do listen, but just from the right. general populace, I'd like to see because it might give us a little insight on, on what the future of this thing is. Right. You know, right. one thing I had a chance to talk with several people uh, at the airport, actually, I met a couple of people that this was their first time there at Woodworking in America. Um, I didn't go up and say, hi, my name's Matt. You know, you must know me from Wood Talk Online or Matt's Space <laughs> Workshop. Do you recognize my sweater? <laughs> Although I, I did kind of drop some hints a few times, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Um, but anyways, these guys, uh, one gentleman flew in from Air, uh, from Alaska, and you know this was the guy I was talking about that you know didn't really know anybody. My impression from them, and I asked them directly, I said, would you, you know, would you come back again? And they were an absolute yes. So I think if it's your first time, it's still even if for the people who have been there before are saying, eh, it's not everything that was cracked up to be. That's our perspective. The for the newbie, they the ones that I've met that I've talked with, they absolutely love it. So that's, that's, you know, that, that's kind of an interesting thing. Part of me thinks, you know, I was referred to the days afterwards as the morning period. And now I think I'm in the anger period where I'm in denial. You know, it's like, <laughs> I can't believe you left me, you son of a, you know, so <laughs> ask me in a couple of months and I probably have forgotten about everything and just think, I can't wait to get back there. Yeah. Well, maybe the solution really is like you mentioned every other year. I mean, I know next year I'm going to be super you know, anxious and, and maybe, I don't know, having a baby might change things a little bit, but I know I'm really 
going to be anxious to get there again just to see everybody. Um, the classes right. are just the icing on the cake, but hanging out with everybody is really the reason I'm going to go. That is right. totally it. It's that, that sense of belonging. I have found my people, and they are here. Yeah, I'm not alone in this world, as, as it may seem, working alone right. in my shop and typing on my computer all day. Yeah. Well, I guess is that uh yeah, I did just commit. I but don't forget I committed to last year's uh, or this year's as well and and didn't show up. So there you go. I'm not saying a word. Not saying a word. It's safer it's the, not to. It's the even year curse that I'm hoping to beat next year. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Uh, gentlemen of the modern woodworker, I did hear that if we uh get our trolley tickets now, they're 50% off. So if anybody wants to chip in for that, we can we can get our pass. Nice. If they don't remember us. So <laughs> there you go. A lot of trolley talk. All right. Well, <laughs> so. I think we're going to be uh, closing this one off. Um, okay. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably, I mean, now that we're back in session here, uh, we will probably resume again in, in two weeks. We're going to try and get on an every other week schedule if we can. Right. Uh, so thanks for listening. And Matt, you want to give them some contact information and we'll head on out. Absolutely. You go ahead and email us with any of your comments, questions, suggestions, etc. to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. I really prefer the etcs. Or you can leave us a voicemail at a voicemail. Yes, a voicemail, please. A voicemail. <laughs> or you can pick up the phone and leave us a voicemail instead at 623-242-5180. Don't forget you can Skype us at woodtalkonline. And, of course, visit our individual sites at renaissancewoodworker.com, thewoodwhisperer.com, mattspaceworkshop.com, and especially visit the forum at woodtalkonline.com where many more stories of woodworking in America and how many places we've been banned from will be circulating throughout the days to come. And, of course, all this information will be in the show notes, so look for it there if you missed any of it. Okay, and I'm going to do a quick giveaway here. I I meant to do this earlier. I've got a copy of uh, Kitchen Cabinets Made Simple. It's a combination book DVD by Greg Paolini. Uh, Is that Paolini? Paolini? Paolini. Okay. Same as that restaurant you guys went to on Saturday night. Oh, Papalonadinos. <laughs> there you go, Greg Papalonadino. Um, so anyway, brand new book. I think this is a, what is it, a twenty four ninety five value, and this is from the Taunton Press. So I'm going to give this away to someone in the chat room, and I have to figure out, guys, help me, help me with a trivia question, WIA related. Uh, oh. But you don't have to be there to, no, that would be unfair. Let me, let's get a good, somebody come up with a question, a fair mm-hmm. question. In what way was the author's use of the prism in <laughs> symbolized okay, about, the protagonist uh, struggle? Where, where, was, where was the location of the first woodworking in America? Was that 2008? There you go. That's, that's fair enough. First person yeah. who has the answer, you get this book. Uh, it looks like it looks like uh, Matt Gradwell with the poor spelling. I guess that would he's either uh, trying. I, to I think he's asking for a, a beer. Actually, oh, that's yeah, what it I is. Don't know yeah. if that spelling counts. I think it may be Sean. <laughs> well, if, if we're going on on spelling, then judges, yeah, was, was Sean. Uh, judges, what do you say? Well, after knowing Matt from this weekend, I think he was going for the beer. <laughs> I, I don't know if we can give it to Sean though, because he changed his screen name, and I much prefer was. <laughs> All right. this new easier to pronounce one alright I think we can give it to Matt I think it's safe to say so Matt I don't know he, he dropped a bunch of money this week and I don't think he needs it <laughs> I, I don't know man I think he probably has no money left so he, oh, that's true he that needs case. a freebie uh, Matt uh, just you know my email just email me your mailing address and I'll get this beauty kitchen cabinets made simple out to you ASAP I think we should mail it somewhere in between let's see um, Sean you're in Michigan aren't you and Matt's out in, in Washington. Mail it somewhere in Montana. And just like a jump ball. You got Rob, go, go! Rob says that Matt can't even read. Well, the good thing is there is a DVD in here, so he will be able to learn something. 
Ohio, sorry, not Michigan. Still, (laughs) mail it somewhere in Montana. Mail it to Todd Clippinger's shop. There you go. uh, He'll take care of it for you. I go pick it up. Cool. All right. I think we're going to head out now. Thanks, everybody. We had a great chat room and a, um, a lot of people viewing. This was a, definitely an active evening. So thanks, Ooh, thanks for showing up. Yeah, we should do like a transcript of the chat room and send it to Popular Woodworking. There's a lot of good info in there. Yeah, and they will quickly just throw it away. Throw it away. Delete. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will catch you next time on Wood Talk Online Radio. See y'all. Good to be back. Bye. Peace out. Adios. There we go. Another show. Wood Talk Online is a community-supported show and you can help out for as little as $2 a month. Donations aren't required, but they are appreciated. If you'd like to help out, head to woodtalkonline.com and click one of the donation buttons in the right column. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.